It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 16 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, September 22nd, 2017, a recording. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media Marketing, and welcome once again by Patrick and Ashley from the Black Truck team. Welcome to the end of another week, and it is not fall-like weather, but it's the first day of fall, but it's like 90 degrees here in Michigan, which is unseasonably warm. Hot. It's a dry heat, too. It is. It's a, I don't know. It's, it's, pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty humid. Alex. Yeah. Come on. All right, uh, Pat, you were going to go ahead and take lead off this week sure. on reads and helpful tips. Yeah, um, so I think I'm going to poach something from Ashley. I hope not. I Uh-oh. hope I'm not stealing something from you because this is up your alley. Okay. Um, five easy to miss SEO mistakes blogs make. Mm. Oh, you went the content route. Yeah, I did. Nice. I did. Uh, I know I usually don't go this way, but I saw it. It caught my attention. Um, it's on Search Engine Land. It was published on the 18th by Christopher Jones. Um, it's a little bit different route. Uh, more of like a, maybe a refresher from in, for our office, but it's also good stuff to discuss. Um, there... It's kind of no-brainer stuff, but it was it was a good, long, detailed article, and it, it, it really kind of lays things out there. The stuff that we here in the office maybe do and don't think about it. Mm. This is somebody that actually General thought about practice it type and, things. And put it down. Yeah. Uh, first, first point of the five is um, uh, unoptimized keyword structure. Or sorry, the first mistakes. So it's it's okay. highlighting the mistakes. Ah, uh, um, okay. Unoptimized keyword structure. Uh, the, the snippet I took out of there was, uh, if our content is simply covering topics and not keywords, how do we know what users really demand? Uh, so we always preach here to um, keep it consistent and keep the site and the blog topics kind of all on the same point and the same topic. But those topics... Thematic. Thematic, yeah. yeah. So the topic still has to contain keywords, and those keywords still have to be on point. Um, without that keyword research... Are we really truly finding the audience that we need? Hmm. Uh, and the research still needs to be done no matter how thematic you are across the board. Uh, second point, uh, inconsistent internal links. Um, it, a good point, a good points from internal links, um, it can establish a path for users to navigate to the, to mm-hmm. the best parts of your site or what you're maybe touting even if the article isn't a direct advertisement for it. Um, it, this was a good point. It opens up crawling and deep link web pages to increase crawl rate. So mm. um, it tells search engines that this is the route to the important stuff. Mm. And this important stuff is easy to get to and it'll help you crawl it more efficiently. Um, it defines site architecture for your most important sites, kind of goes along with the crawl. Uh, distributes link juice that we like to use, the phrase link juice. Um, and indexes linked to web pages by the keywords used in the hyperlink anchor yep. text. Which we know is a play, a, a safe play to do on page insight, but that's something that is is more of a no-no from an off-site true like outreach link building, what right. what would be yeah. what most people think is link building. Where, right. where in this case we're talking about using uh, keywords and anchor text yeah. on site. That was the, my big takeaway out of that was anchor text. I know that when I've written for our uh, our company blog. I will um, 
link out to other pages <coughs> using irrelevant words as my anchor text. It felt like click here to do this. You know, it's yeah. like, I wrote this article last month revolving around the subject and I'll, I'll hyperlink so last that, month. So that brings up a really good point, Pat, not to go down a, a side tangent, but think about that when like for us in the SEO space and we're writing, um, you know, what we, what we believe to be is thought leadership right. type posts and helpful content. Then when we do link out to a study, it's a lot of times very easy for people to say, you know, well, in this 2016 study from Google or in this, you know, keyword research study from Stat, mm-hmm. and you just link keyword research study without even thinking about it because um, maybe, um, you know, it looks the best when semantically it's or, you know, it's not proper from a structure perspective in anchor text. Like technically, are we, are we helping that company or not? Well... I mean, yeah, they're getting a link, but, you know, should we have linked stat? Probably should have linked the article to stat in their name. I mean, as SEOs, that's probably common practice that we should do. And quite frankly, internet marketers, you should Mm -hmm. do that too. So it's a a good policy in general. You know, if you're going to link to somebody else's content, do them a favor. Like, do them a solid. Yeah. Yeah. Link the brand to their site. And so link the brand to their article. Um, Internal linking, though, back to your original point on this, uh, totally can... You know. Yeah, it's a practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yep. it's, uh, the the next item on here was uh, poor mm-hmm. poor page copy, uh, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of uh, Ashley's corner on that <laughs> one. It's it the, it ended with uh, <laughs> edit fiercely, and that's kind of I, I giggled when I read that <laughs> because like oh that's that's, that's what me. <laughs> somebody on our team does. Uh, the uh, biggest takeaway I had on this one was uh, leverage your. Uh, your headline, get the most out of the headline, really have a great first paragraph and then have a good segue in the second paragraph. What I thought was kind of funny too in this one is um, uh, always insert clear transition phrases and consider using animated GIFs and videos to give users <laughs> mental break between long chunks of paragraph. And it's just funny how it went from uh, memes were so unprofessional and GIFs were unprofessional or whatever to now it's like, Make sure you incorporate these in your business posts. Yeah. yeah. It was just an interesting circle. <laughs> um, next one down was unoptimized images and videos. I think we've kind of beaten that one with uh, Dead Horse. It's, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> make sure you have all text. Make sure the images are properly mm-hmm. formatted. Mm-hmm. Get that part right. It's a no-brainer. Um, lastly, poor content promotion. This is... Sounds more simple than it is, but this one was the depth. This this was the longest section in the uh, the article uh, phrase I took out of there. What if after writing his theory of relativity, Einstein had simply posted his theory on his front door and waited for someone to discover it? <laughs> and uh, that's what a lot of people are doing. They're writing these amazing articles with yeah. amazing educated thought processes and in uh, really next level stuff. And then just posting it and waiting for something to happen. And it's where the deep web yeah, started, right? Yeah, and if you don't if you don't do anything with it, um, then what? It gave a, a nice list of best practices and ways to do that. And yeah. it's it's from I'm not gonna get too deep into it because that could be a whole <laughs> series of podcasts and blog posts about all those different points. But what it comes down to is share your stuff. If you write it, share it. Don't mm-hmm. just hope people will find it because in order for people to find it, it has to be shared first, and then it starts gaining authority. 
and then I gave a list of good good types of articles like how tos, infographics. A new word that I learned through this is called listicle. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just learned mm-hmm. it's a combination of a list article and. Uh, 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 it, it, <clears throat> It was an interesting word. Top ten reasons to blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. listicles. listicles. We, yeah, haven't we burned yeah. that one out by now? Yeah. I think I think it's interesting too. Um, the distribution side of your content is is extremely important in that. But but then going back to maybe the original why question of like, well, why are we creating content? So if you're back to their original point, as I have to pull the article up to to better understand, you know, if I'm writing poor page copy because well, we're doing content marketing, you know, air quotes, weird mm-hmm. hand gestures mm-hmm. of like, cause that's what HubSpot tells us to do, mm-hmm. but it's not really great quality content. It's not content that's really answering the question or providing me in-depth detail. Like I have to go to like three or four other sources to get the full answer when you could have provided them with mm-hmm. that. Um, it, I, I just think that you have to ask the question of like, okay, well, who else can use this content in our organization? Like, I think there's so many B2B marketers still that can't get their head wrapped around the fact that, that you can use blog posts, resources, news, call it whatever you want. If blog scares you, use that content to help support your sales mm-hmm. staff. So whether it's outreach, inbound marketing, SEO, Follow up, like closing the loop, post purchase, pre purchase, all of that. Um, there's really great content there. Instead of like anything that you're doing as a printed handout now, yep. why are you not producing some sort of piece of content around that? But then take these these really good, what I think to your original point, Pat, are might be really basic items, apply that to those. I mean, you've got some really get some really good content and maybe at a local level you're going to be extremely mm-hmm. effective so oh that's a great segue into what i wanted to share all today. right shoot all right um sorry were you done Pat? yes okay yes. great <laughs> let's hope so well the article that i am sharing today is from search engine watch um, it's called how to create a kick-ass link building strategy for local seo mm. uh, and it summarized Greg Gifford's recent presentation at Brighton SEO. Oh, yeah. Um, Greg's from Dealeron down in Texas, and Greg's is probably one of the... uh, I mean, he's probably one of the forethought leaders, forethought foremost, however you want to say that. Foremost. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Greg. Um, (laughs) You know, and has a pretty killer beard, too. So, yeah, yeah, his presentation was um, titled Righteous Tips for Building Totally Excellent Local Links. And um, the whole presentation was um, slides had the references to 80s movies and stuff like that. So that <laughs> sounds like fun. It already um, caught your attention. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, okay, I'll, I'll pay attention. Um, so he talked about the importance of in- inbound links for local SEO, um, even if they're links that are from like an unrelated source to what your particular business or organization is about um, because it's that... Um, we talk about having link variety with inbound links, and it depends just as much as having, just as much as having relevant links as far as being in your industry. It's also um, being from different geographies, having some variety there. That um, so the local part of it um, is building connections within the community. He talked about. Um, creating local relationships. Um, not so much 
you know, going for that link right away, obviously, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that can be icky. But he gave some great tips for um, building those relationships, like things that you might already be doing, like uh, groups or charities that you support, teams or events you sponsor, connections with the local press, um, business associations. We talk about those here a lot. Um, so building authentic relationships and then that can bring you to a place where eventually you can present a case for how you can offer value um, for the audience that these places mm. have. Um, so it just made me think too, I have a, I have a background in, in public relations, so it just made me think, you know, if your business organization has a public relations department, help them identify any, lo- any other local opportunities, any, any groups that they aren't currently connected with, and, and see about, you know, how you might be able to establish links with those publics and then um, any established relationships. Um, oops, I just said that. But <laughs> if, you, um, if you don't have a PR department that you're working with, then that kind of becomes something that, like, the SEO will do. Sure. Um, is seeking out those connections and, and um, again, not asking for a link because that's icky, but, um, you know, building those relationships first and proving that you do have value to give those those um, audiences. Does that make sense? No, I think it makes complete sense. Um, I'd be curious. I'm staring over my screen at Patrick as a, as a we'll call Patrick a former link builder or a, a, a reformed link builder um, from back from back in the day, though. So I got my feet like yeah. building. Yeah. yeah. Um, in a lot of not, not so great practices, but the... The interesting part about it is that it is really, I think it is really important depending on your line of business and and most businesses of size can take a lot of good from that, probably that presentation and Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is Mm -hmm. that um, if you're not doing anything in your community, whether you do business locally or nationally, like you're never going to get, you're never going to get notoriety for that anyways. Mm -hmm. So you might as well participate in your in your community anyways and do things to support your community and then natu- naturally right. good things will come from that i.e. links right. so I like the comment too actually um, about geographically yeah uh, uh, different pockets you know yeah if, if uh, crawlers are seeing links all coming from so, so yeah I was curious yeah. to know more about that well, too that, yeah. and that wasn't um it's a little bit. That's a little bit out of my wheelhouse, okay. so I don't want to yeah. get too deep into that. Okay. But I, I may have misspoken earlier. But I know that um, when we are analyzing our um, clients' websites for, in, you know, external links, mm-hmm. um, and there's the factor in the Moz. Um, help me, help me out. <laughs> the Open Site Explorer. Yes. Yeah. Um, the it talks about. Um, Linking C-blocks. Linking C-blocks. Yes, thank you. That's what I was looking yeah. for. Um, so, I, 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 you don't want links coming in from random sites in, from, like, India, China, whatever, that right. sort of thing. Sure. Um, Unless you're in India or China. Right, or exactly. Or in India or Exactly, China, right? like an international business. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't want to... Yeah, so it, it's a, uh, a good, like, if, if let's say a, a business that could be happening anywhere, but all the <clears throat> links are coming in from one geographic right. location. They're, so mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Let's say I sell a product that I ship nationwide, but all of our, blo- our links are coming from yep. uh, West Michigan and the greater Michigan area. Yes. But um, all of a sudden, maybe we start finding a good market in um, 
Colorado somewhere mm-hmm. or, or the PNW. You know, it's, it's, we get those regions talking and sharing and posting that looks more authoritative as well in the linking structure of things. Yeah, but if you are truly looking to dominate at the local level yeah. for your services or for your company, uh, you know, maybe I'm a local chimney sweep. We don't have a chimney sweeper as a client, so. Um, but maybe you you are are trying to increase your relevancy and your rank locally. Um, certainly, having diversity within the community, mm-hmm. meaning uh, if we do focus on Grand Rapids or Detroit, um, it's okay to have links on on other sites, not just like um, your local chamber of commerce, right, or your local. Um, I don't know, uh, Chimney Sweep Unions Association or something like that. Right. Um, it's okay to get that link from um, maybe a library or a local university that you've spoke at or, um, you know, it's a trade it's a trade school that you've spoke at right. um, or that you're, you're a valued resource to them. Um, that I want to make sure we clarify that yeah. from the... From the diversity and link, meaning they're still geographically related and relevant to one another, but they're not um, they're not similar in in, yeah. in interest from an industry right. perspective. They're not all chimney sweep, right? In this case, um, they're, yeah, they're going to be slightly C, different. Linking C blocks is kind of confusing or multifaceted in that every you have regional locations and you also have um, industries within said region, so mm-hmm. it's multifaceted on that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. Hmm. It went a different direction than I was expecting it to. <laughs> ah, where did you expect it to go? Where did you think we were going to go with that? Well, I, I, I made the mistake of, of talking about the variety and locations, which wasn't really part of like hey, the overall thing. That's but great. It was it a good. It was a good discussion. I was actually gonna. Um, I was actually gonna talk about um, a, a resource that was shared. Um, Brittany Muller shared um, prioritizing SEO tasks. And, and yeah. one, of the, one of the things that she just linked to in that article was a list of questions that she asks every new client, um, which in, involves um, any content they currently have that might be link-worthy, um, any previous or current PR work, websites or publications mm-hmm. they'd like to be featured in. Um, any And I just thought that those were some good forward-thinking questions that would inform you know, link building, content creation, outreach efforts. And so it just made me think of, you know, tie in back to Greg's uh, presentation that, um, you know, pulling out any of those relationships that they already have and then, want, you know, any that they could think of that you could work on building. So. Yeah, that's really good. I like that. Go and conquer local. Local is local's really important. Uh, and I think, you know, as we're making notes about future future content pieces for our site as, as well as podcasts I think we could do a whole a whole discussion and theme around mm-hmm. around local SEO so and maybe we can get Greg on um, mm-hmm. so the I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and jump in is that yeah. is that cool as uh, in terms of closing piece um, big thing so uh, I've been studying a lot more and more as we have clients that are going through this transition and and I'm just purely fascinated by it too is um, more discussion around HTTPS, so going to secure uh, layers, if you will, secure site. Um, we know that Google Chrome will start to flag things sometime in October. Who knows? Maybe it will be in November or December, but sometime in October they're leaking. So um, uh, another conversation that came out of Brighton SEO, um, which was from Jennifer Slag at the SEMPost, 
who moderated a discussion between Google's uh, Gary Illies. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just uh, last week, two weeks ago there. And the questions really come up around, you know, how long can it take for things to kind of stabilize after you make the migration from HTTP to mm-hmm. HTTPS? And then some other things that we really need to, to know about and some important things in there. And I thought it was really fascinating that kind of Gary came out on the record, if you will. Um, the biggies are that it that Google's basically said that migrating to an HTTPS can take up to three to four weeks for everything to stabilize. But you have to keep in mind, like, why aren't those things happening faster is because depending on the size of your site and the different elements and and movements, the, the, the things that are changing in your site at that time, um, Google has to re-index the entire thing. So if we're talking about a 100-page site, a 50-page site, or a 3,000-page site, there's a lot of moving pieces in there and they have to go through. Um, it is known that Google's getting faster in that process of, of re-indexing and seeing things level out and, and people are seeing some, some good things come out of it. But um, Illy's went on to explain that um, that Google, they're working on stabilizing a few things. There's a few more factors that go into that HTTPS process. Um, but that if your rankings don't stabilize inside of, say, that time period, that there could be deeper issues that you need to mm. go ahead and combat and figure out. But the the real key to all this is to whether or not people pick that up out of... Out of um, out of the conversation, and then Jennifer wrote a great blog post about it that we'll link to, is that that he uh, Illy's encouraged people to not make other major like structural mm. design big changes at time of HTTPS migration. So basically, stating that if you are going to migrate to an HTTPS, that is one project, if you will, that is one sprint. Is how I'm framing this that you need to do. Once that's done and things have stabilized, then go ahead and move forward with your other changes you were gonna make. So if you're gonna move forward with a massive website redesign, you know, basically from Gary's point of view, he's saying, mm, maybe you wanna do the HTTPS migration first and then do your complete redesign. Or I think probably vice versa, you could, you could probably get away with both. Um, so it's kinda, the I think twofold the reason why he's saying that, but the biggest one is, you know, it's going to be easier to debug any issue that comes up because there's going to be issues that will probably arise from the HTTPS migration. But if you make those other major changes, you can be going down too many paths to try and correct that problem um, and just get in this continuous vicious loop of, of, problem correction, yeah. never know where to prioritize, back to the Brittany Muller uh, article that was great this week, um, you're, you're going to send your your whole SEO team and your dev team just into a spiral out of control, not being able to, to handle and facilitate the needs that are coming. Meanwhile, you have all this other content that needs to be created and your marketing and, and like DevOps teams are probably, your product people are probably pushing for new things and... So it's, it's really just a really, really good reminder, I think, that um, that's not something that should be taken lightly, mm-hmm. right? The, the migration to HTTPS is not something to be taken lightly. Um, and we've experienced it with clients. We'll experience it ourselves when we launch our new site. 
we are going about it, yes, the completely perhaps the wrong way that Gary is outlined here. Um, I'm okay with that, though. Like, I'm going into it, I'm, I'm, for the most part, I'm okay with that. Maybe we'll take some advice here and migrate to HTTPS first. Um, but, but we'll see. It's interesting. Hmm. There's a little things, too. I'm working on a site right now that uh, has both HTTP and non- or a and S active. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's twice as many HTTP pages as there are HTTPS. Mm-hmm. So... And we just talked to a, a contact of ours who who runs a pretty major major sites, a major brand, and they are going through a migration too, where half of the site is, as you pointed out, HTTP, the other half is HTTPS, and in the same time, they're switching CMS frameworks. So talk about a, a massive amount of, of confusion that can happen both on the back end, from IT and development side, to front end confusion... Um, it's a product heavy. Yeah, yeah, site yeah. yeah. Product product heavy site for yeah. sure. So it could get really interesting. So um, <laughs> mapping things out would would certainly um, mapping the process out is is definitely needed. Documenting what you have currently in place. Um, what does that look like moving to an HTTPS? Making sure that that all things live in that environment. So it's not just your your general file structure. Make sure your images are over there too. Mm-hmm. Make sure your sitemaps are referencing things properly. Make sure that you set up um, the the other rendition, the other segment of, of Search Console or Google Webmaster Tools. You know, you can't just go in and and expect everything to to be just fine. So it's a whole separate site. It's a whole separate site. Yep, and that's how Google's going to view it. So um, certainly, you can get into some rocky times with that. So um, I don't know. Always ending on a somber note. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, so it's a really great article. She makes a good point. It's a quick read. Um, and you can glean some insights from it. And, and hopefully the suggestions that we've made today have been, have been helpful. So um, anybody else have anything to add? No. Uh, check out the latest blog post that we have up live right now, blacktruckmedia.com forward slash blog. Um, that is the one that we mentioned in the last podcast mm-hmm. going uh, in-depth and kind of geeky on search query data centered around natural disasters, uh, hurricane-related, very topical. Mm-hmm. Um, so check that one out. It's pretty interesting to see um, how individual search behaviors change uh, between major storms. So um, until the next time, good luck, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.